0: everyone. Welcome to this edition of the breastcancer.org podcast. This is part two of a three-part podcast we are doing with Christina Nixon, and Christina is a licensed certified genetic counselor with the Cancer Risk Assessment and Genetics Program at Mainline Health in Pennsylvania. In addition to counseling patients, she also assists with research, including most recently a study looking at multi-gene panels in BRCA1, BRCA2 positive families. Christina also has completed the Cities of Hope intensive course in cancer risk assessment. Today, we're going to talk about um, genetic testing, how it might happen, who baby should be tested or who should consider testing, and how it all works. So, Christina, welcome back to our podcast. This has been so helpful Um, the first time we talked a lot about genes and mutations and abnormal genes, and now we're actually going to focus on the testing. So as I understand it, the only way to know for sure if somebody has a genetic mutation is to have genetic testing done. So how does a woman know if genetic testing is right for her? Are there certain aspects of family history that you look at? Are there people who might need genetic testing even if they don't have a strong family history of breast cancer?
1: So I'm going to start to talk about just some general guidelines of when women can start to think about doing genetic testing. There are actually um, a lot of criteria for when we consider genetic testing, but these are just some general rules of thumb to think about um, when thinking about whether you need genetic testing or considering genetic testing. So first of all, we consider the, a person's uh, personal history of cancer. Um, so before we even look at the family, if a woman herself has had cancer, um, breast cancer, we look at women who, who are diagnosed under the age of 50. Um, we also look at women who have a history of breast cancer in addition to any other type of cancer. So if they've had two primary breast, breast cancers or breast cancer and a different type of cancer. We look at women who have triple negative breast cancer. Um, women who have a personal history of ovarian cancer as well, even if there is no family history. Um, and also women with a history of pancreatic cancer, uh, that would depend additionally on um, additional family history as well um and then for for men as well of course if they've had pancreatic cancer uh for any man who has had male breast cancer then looking at family history so if a woman herself does not have a personal history of cancer but is looking at her family it's important for her to look at both sides of her family history a lot of times women will talk to me about their mother's side of the family but really they want to also consider dad's side You know, even though we're thinking about breast cancer, sometimes people believe that they can't inherit genes from their father related to breast cancer. But in fact, you can. You're inheriting genes from both of your parents. So, um, and then looking at both sides of the family, if there's a history of breast cancer in three or more women in the family, no matter how old they were when they were diagnosed with these cancers, um, that's reason to consider it also if there are two or more women with breast cancer if one of them was diagnosed under the age of 50 that's a reason to consider it Um, and then also if ovarian cancer is in a close relative in the family and by close relative i mean um, a mother a daughter a sister an aunt Um, and even in some families we look at first cousins as well and great aunts okay um, additionally, we look at ancestry in a family. So um, for women who have Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry, um, we do consider genetic testing specifically for the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes. Okay. And that can be, even in some cases, if there, if there isn't any family history of cancer, of breast or ovarian cancer. If there are limitations to the size of the family or if there are a lot of men in the family, we might still consider doing BRCA1 and 2 testing in these women just based on their ancestry.
0: Okay, so that would be an example of somebody, as you said, who didn't have strong family history but might want to consider testing.
1: Exactly, and that's just because um, the chances of having a mutation in BRCA1 or BRCA2 are higher in individuals who do have Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry,
0: okay. Are there any other groups like that that you can think of that um, may that somebody might want to consider testing, even if she didn't have a strong family history?
1: Um,
0: no, no, okay. I think
1: that
0: would be the only one. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, that's good to know. Um, now, I'm curious too about um, DCIS, which is non-invasive. Um, do you do you and, and anybody that you're counseling, do you think about testing in the same way, say, if a woman has a strong family history of DCIS? So it's cancer, but not invasive cancer.
1: Yes, we look at DCIS the same way we would look at an invasive breast cancer. So the criteria that I just talked about earlier um, would apply to women who have DCIS or invasive
0: breast cancer. Okay. So it's really not any different. No. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. It's all the same. Now, how, I know a lot of people are curious about this. What exactly is the process for having genetic testing? Um, Does it have to be recommended to you by your doctor? Could, can you, you know, do you always, is it always preferred to meet with a counselor first? Can you have testing and then meet with a counselor? How, how does that all work?
1: Well, I think, it can be helpful to start the conversation with your doctor, um, you know, to, to review your family history with your doctor, and then sometimes doctors will re- then refer you to a genetic counselor. Um, it also depends on the genetic counselor that you see. I know with our program, we don't require a referral from a physician. A, a patient could just call our, our number and schedule an appointment, or. Um, you know, talk to a genetic counselor and get information before scheduling the appointment. So, um, but there are some programs that may require that uh, referral from a doctor.
0: Okay. Um, um, oh, go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, that's okay. You go <laughs> ahead.
0: <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, so do you, um, could somebody have testing done without meeting with a counselor first? I know it's preferred to meet with a counselor.
1: It depends on. It also depends on where you live. Um, Sometimes it's difficult to have access to a genetic counselor. Although there are, um, there is a a company called Informed DNA which does offer genetic counseling over the phone. If you can't, um, you aren't in a place where there's a genetic counselor available to meet with in person. I do highly recommend meeting with a genetic counselor first, just because um, there are many tests first of all that you, you could consider ordering and um, there, there's just a lot of information that comes along with genetic testing and I really feel strongly that it's important for women and men to understand what results can come out of genetic testing and what the information how, how that information will impact not only that person but also that person's family members um, and it also can help just to have the conversation, is genetic testing even appropriate for me? You know, there may still just be confusion there as to, is this really necessary? So that would be the first step. Um, and then the second step is, if, if it is appropriate, is to determine, again, is this information that you really want to have at this point in time? Is it a good time for you to learn this information? Um, is it information that you want? Okay. Okay. So, yeah I realize that it's not always possible to speak with a genetic counselor prior to genetic testing, and there are some physicians that will go ahead and order it um for for individuals and then in that case, it might be helpful to speak with a genetic counselor after you've gotten your test results back to help interpret those test results
0: okay yeah i I can't imagine getting um a report like that back and then not having a counselor sit down with me and go through it, because besides the specific mutations, um, from talking with you and other counselors, I know there's often a result called a variant of unknown significance, which can be very confusing. Um, And can you talk a little bit about those and and what they are? Sure. So it is
1: possible with any genetic test to get an inconclusive test result, um, otherwise known as a variant of uncertain significance. And when that happens, um, it means that the laboratory sees a change in the DNA of a gene, but the laboratory isn't quite sure, is this a change that is a mutation that does increase cancer risk, or is it just a normal variation that does not increase cancer risk? Um, So we're not able to make any type of medical recommendations based off of this inconclusive result.
0: Okay, which can be kind of, I don't know, scary, frightening, anxiety-producing. It, it, it it's like, I've got yeah. this thing, but nobody knows what it means, basically.
1: Right. It's very it's very frustrating um, because then not only the, the healthcare provider, but also the, the patient knows then that, okay, there's something in this gene, but we don't know what to do with it. We don't know what it means. And so that's also part of the, the counseling up front before you have testing is to also be aware that an inconclusive result is a possibility.
0: Okay, and I'm curious too, um, these results are kept, and is, so say I had a genetic test and I got a a variant variant of um, unknown significance. And then 10 years later, there's somebody starts doing research on that gene Um, And then they kind of figure out more about what that mutation might mean. Do you ever see women coming back to get retested as more information is coming out?
1: Um, So, well, there's kind of two different answers to that question. So uh, if, if a person has one of these variants of uncertain significance, it's not that they necessarily have to be retested in the future because as you said, these results are kept in a database with the laboratory. And then, of course, they're kept in your chart at your genetic counselor's office or the doctor's office. And what happens is eventually the laboratory, through research, um, will figure out if this variant is a mutation or not. And a lot of the laboratories, I can't guarantee that all of them, but a lot of the laboratories, when, when these variants get reclassified, To either a mutation or to a normal variation, they will recontact the ordering provider to update that person. And then, and then that provider will reach back out to the patient um, to update the patient on what their
0: result really is now. Okay. Okay. I see. So there's, so there might not, there's really no need to get retested in that case.
1: In that case, right. Now, Retesting can be considered, though, if there are improvements to the technology of the testing. Um, For example, BRCA1 and 2 testing has improved, you know, greatly over the years. You know, since the late 90s, when it really um, became clinically available to have BRCA testing, the testing has improved uh, in the quality of the test um, since then. So we have had women coming back in to be retested for the BRCA1 and 2 genes. And then additionally, if there are other genes that have been discovered along the way, women come back in to be tested for those additional breast cancer genes as well.
0: Okay. Okay. Now, we talked about family history at the beginning. A woman's family history is likely going to change over time, especially, um, you know, if she's a younger woman, as she ages, different people in her family might be diagnosed with different cancers. Um is there a good way that you would recommend for somebody to, to sort of keep track of these and make sure that her doctor, you know, is aware of all these these things? I think
1: making it part of um, a discussion during a yearly physical would be helpful with, with your physician or with your annual gynecologic check, you know, with your gynecologist. It might be helpful to just, again, revisit the family history. I know a lot of doctor's offices will ask about family history when you're coming in as a new patient to the practice, but not all physicians will necessarily take the time to update your family history, so it may fall more on um, the patient herself to try to remember to bring up any changes in the family history, um, to try to think of it as, as part of just your physical exam. Your family history is just as important as your own medical history.
0: Okay, okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's a tough one too, especially if somebody is not in touch with all of her family to, to keep track is, of all those, it those harder things. It's if you have
1: a really large family, right. it can be hard to track down all those relatives.
0: Okay. Um, now when isn't genetic tested recommending for a woman with breast cancer? Because I know that it's not recommended for every single person who's diagnosed where's the is it simply a family history and as you said an ethnicity or are there other things that go into that
1: so when a woman would not be recommended to have genetic testing right okay um i would say you know a woman who is over the age of 50 or post-menopausal woman who's already been through menopause um and does not have a family history of breast cancer or other cancers in the family um that's and, and does not have Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry, then that's an example of where testing may not be appropriate.
0: Okay, and that's just because it seems like as you age, your risk of breast cancer goes up and it's probably not a genetic...
1: Correct, it's, it's less likely to be hereditary in that case.
0: Okay, and I know that genetic testing isn't always recommended for younger women. Who are diagnosed, and could you talk a little bit about that, like how that decision might be made?
1: So, a lot of even despite your your age, of when you're diagnosed or um, family history, genetic testing is it, it is a very personal decision. Um, even though it may medically you may meet medical criteria, you know, based on these factors, it, it also has to be something that that a person is psychologically ready um to receive the information so sometimes you know I, I do ask every patient that comes in if you have genetic testing and if the results are positive um, would you use the information to make decisions about your treatment or um, to to consider preventative things for the future like increasing your cancer screening or uh, preventative surgery or preventative medication, like how would this, how would this impact you going forward? And if a person tells me that it's really not going to change what they want to do, that they, they wouldn't consider these options, they wouldn't change their treatment, then I don't see it as being as helpful of, of a test to that person.
0: Okay. Does it make a difference if, um, someone has children or not or no?
1: It, well, it can, um, okay. Sometimes people will have genetic testing just for the family's information as well. Even if they don't feel they will use it personally, um, then they look at it as this will help my children, my brothers and sisters, nieces and nephews.
0: Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, now, if, if someone decides to have genetic testing, how long does it take to get the results?
1: It depends on the genetic testing that's being ordered. Um Some of our tests take as little as a week to come back, like if if we are just looking at BRCA1 and 2, uh, there are some labs that will return results within seven days. Um, But if we're doing a bigger panel of genes, then the turnaround time might be longer. It might be two or three weeks. Um, In some cases, it might take a month. It just depends on the, the laboratory doing the testing as well as how much is actually being tested.
0: Okay. Now, do you ever recommend genetic testing for a woman who has gone through treatment and say, you know, maybe she was diagnosed five or seven years ago? So the testing really wouldn't influence treatment decisions per se. I suppose it could influence um, how long somebody might take hormonal therapy, but um it, is that ever recommended and is it hard for if it is if is it hard for a woman to sort of go back and revisit that whole diagnosis so
1: it, it definitely is recommended so for example um, sometimes we'll see you know women who may be 70 years old and and their breast cancer happens when they were 45 um, genetic testing would still be recommended for her because as we talked about it would it, may, it would impact her her directly, possibly, um, especially if she still has her ovaries or, um, you know, if there's a higher risk of developing a second breast cancer, then that's information that she could potentially use to her benefit. Um, and then additionally, for children, grandchildren, uh, again, it can really help the family as well. Even though it's not going to influence, as you said, a, a treatment decision, um, it could still help to be preventive and proactive going forward.
0: Okay. And for, I guess this would be for all women, not necessarily for just somebody like that. When you're, um, counseling them, does that include, do you talk to people about how to talk to their family about this? And, you know, is it ever recommended that maybe others in the family be tested?
1: We do. Um, we, a lot, I do encourage individuals to talk with their families, um, Try to encourage them to talk with them before their test results come back so that family members are aware that genetic testing is happening so that it's not um, as much of a shock if the results come back positive. At least there's some time to kind of digest, you know, that genetic testing is is going on. And then especially if testing should come back positive. um, If there's a a mutation that is detected through the testing, we are available um, to help individuals you know share this information with family members it can be difficult especially if um, they have to reach out maybe to siblings or children um, that they haven't been speaking to you know it's um, that can be especially hard so sometimes we'll help individuals draft written letters that can be sent to family members Um, not necessarily with the specific test result but just general information to you know tell them that, that they had genetic testing and that there was something found through the testing and that if they want more information that they can reach out back out to them. Um, but, and, and then there are other scenarios too, where it can be difficult, especially if, um, if there is a known mutation in in a family and family member, a family member may test negative for that mutation, there can be something called survivor guilt, Uh, where a person may feel very badly that their family has this gene mutation and they've been going through cancer and and watching their family members go through treatment and they themselves have not inherited this risk. Um, There can be a lot of guilt associated with that.
0: Okay, I'm sure. And I'm sure there's also, you probably run into this situation too, where one person wants to be tested and then, you know, I'll just pull out an example. Perhaps she has children And two of the three children are for it and one is not and doesn't want to know and then that becomes a very difficult situation within the family
1: yes yes as we all know there are many different personalities within families and and just with genetic testing as well you know you're going to have some family members that are very pro testing and um you know kind of take charge and take the lead on it and then you're going to have other family members that 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 really don't want the information. And, you know, I think it's important for people to realize that they have to respect each individual's decision as to, you know, whether they test or not, and whether they want to learn this information or not.
0: Okay. And one last question before I let you go. Is genetic testing usually covered by insurance um, does it depend on the situation? can do do you have a sense of how many people pay out of pocket or how many people get coverage?
1: Sure so most insurances do cover genetic testing but a lot of insurances also have their own criteria that's based on family history and personal history of cancer. Um, so some of the general guidelines that I mentioned at the beginning those are, a lot of the guidelines that, that insurance companies will use, it's not to say that they will follow all of those, those rules of thumb, but um, again, that's where a genetic counselor can help. If you have a family history and you're not sure, is your insurance? are you meeting your insurance's criteria? Does your insurance even have criteria? There are some insurances that do not. Um, we can help sort that out.